I want to add my congratulations to uh, you know the birth of your beautiful twin daughters. How are things so I far? Oh, uh, they're very, very good. I mean, they're beautiful, of course, but uh, my wife's a champion. You know, I've got the easy end of the deal, <laughs> and so uh, very, very thankful for that. Uh, just loving on the baby season she is. I'm looking forward to when I can have conversations with them, but, you know, she's just loving it, and uh, we're done. Biologically speaking, we are done. Uh, maybe, you know, it, it doesn't mean we're not going to be doing foster adoption, uh, you know, one day, but definitely for now we're absolutely done. Are the brothers thrilled to have a couple of sisters? Yeah, they are. They are. They're cute. They're loving on them, so we're thankful they're, they're kind brothers. For now. <laughs> For now, yes. <laughs> nah, they should be good. They should be good. It had to have been quite an adjustment to go from uh, like a family of four to a family of six just like that. It was a very big shock for us, in fact. And uh, I told my wife after our second child, I'm done it too. And she said, no, I'm not. And so I said, okay, so how many do you want? She said, it depends. I said, what does that mean? She said, if the third one's a boy, then we got, you know, three brothers, we're good. But if it's a girl, then she's going to need a sister. So... Let me just tell you, Jesus loves my wife more than me. And uh, it was a big, big uh, change for us and big shock. Uh, so identical twins apparently can happen in any pregnancy, one out of 275. That is so, so cool. Um, who is Nick as, as a person? You know, uh, someone who, who understands the sobering mindset of being a general in the army of God, taking over territory for his kingdom, ready by his grace, to stand in front of the gates of hell and redirect traffic, and yet embracing as much possible the vision of the Great Commission to preach the gospel to everyone, yet being the best father and husband that I can be and being home as much as possible, and counting it as a privilege and a blessing beyond my imagination to be alive in 2017 with technology can actually make that possible by the grace of God. And now in 2018 even. Ah, 2018. <laughs> You're right. There you go. Can, can you tell me about some of your favorite things, food and, you know, a favorite uh, scripture, life scripture, and just the, the favorites of Nick? My favorite scripture of all is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And little did we realize that God would call and ordain and send a limbless man all around the world uh, to be his hands and feet. And, and if God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, then God can use any willing heart. And, uh, you know, traveling around the world as much as we've done, uh, we really are praying for America. And not just praying, but we really feel a calling as an evangelical ministry of life without limbs to encourage, equip, and send the saints to equip people how to talk about our faith, how to talk to somebody who's an atheist or who's been hurt by the church. Um, the average American that loves God probably has trouble to explain in three minutes who they were before they met Christ and who they were after they met Christ. And so that's the passion behind all. And, and my favorite thing of all is seeing people come to Jesus Christ. Mm. You've been all around the world multiple times. What's your favorite kind of food and when when you are hosted by somebody do you do you have requests of things you'd like to eat or do they just lay it in front of you steak and seafood bro steak and seafood you're, you're yep. my, 
my kind of guy. <laughs> That's it. No better food groups than that for me. What is an average day in the life of Nick Vucic? I mean, you know, from morning to night, what is an average day in your life? Three and a half days of the week are operational to help our ministry grow uh, and to do other things that God's asked me to do um, as far as passion projects and calls and planning for all that. I wake up every morning and uh, I have my coffee. Thank God for coffee. Um, And uh, always have time with God. Uh, Sometimes it's shorter. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's waking up early and going outside and blasting some worship music. It, you know, from time to time it changes. But uh, last year in 2017, I was away from home 105 days. And this year is going to be 84 days. And 2019 should be 70 days. So we're trying to really take me off the road with my, with my growing family, yet trying to reach as many people as possible. And I've definitely, in this New Year's resolutions list for me, one of them was to start Bible studies with uh, friends at our home. And so I've got two different Bible study groups once a month, and just men. I definitely realized 2017 how much friendships really uh, refresh me and, and encourage me and, and how God uses us all for each other. And so that's kind of what we do. And then when I'm home, once a week, um, I take my wife out um, on a date every single week. And then I'm starting to do those dates with my son, Kiyoshi, who's uh, nearly five years old now. Awesome. As people with limbs, we can take for granted some of the things that we do that are like the most basic parts of life, things like uh, brushing our teeth, eating, combing hair, that, that kind of thing. And I know you've had caregivers in your life in the past. Does Kane help you uh, in, in those areas of life? Kane and my wife, uh, no, no, not really at this point. She's got a handful, certainly, and <laughs> she's got help just for the girls, and she's had help uh, for a year now with the boys. And so I want to make sure she's always got enough help around and um the caregiver situation i have two guys um who work 15 days a month one is allocated for all the travel days and one is for all the home days and so they come in the morning and they leave in the afternoon and uh help me to do everything that that i want to accomplish that day with its functionality from personal hygiene and driving around to helping me do whatever i would have done with my hands and feet kind of thing together (laughs) so you have an incredible sense of humor was that instilled to you by your parents? Uh, definitely when I was going to school, there were people that um, avoided me and, um, you know, they didn't know how to take in um, the encounter for the first time of someone without limbs. And, you know, I don't blame that uh, on anyone. But, um, you know, my mom and dad said, don't worry, you know, just start talking and then they'll see you're just like them and even crack a joke and, you know, you might be able to make a friend. And so... That was kind of um, sometimes something I would do a little bit more um, than these days uh, when I get up on stage just to break the ice. Um, and so that's definitely something that was instilled and encouraged, really, uh, from my parents. So let's talk about your new book. It's titled Be the Hands and Feet, Living Out God's Love for All His Children. So let's talk about the irony of that title. Well, first of all, we know that God loves the world. We know that Jesus Christ died for the world, and those who call upon him will be saved. But how will they be saved unless they uh, know about him? How will they know about him unless someone tells him? And so the average uh, American church-going Christian was often than not introduced 
by somebody to Jesus. And, and I think that with all the world changing and evolving all around us, we've become topical and categorizational in how church should be and how Christians should be and how the nation should be, wherein we have moved away from the original gospel. How do we preach the original gospel again? How do we treat those people who just received Jesus Christ? Is it just now going to a cell group? Or can we make sure that, that we counsel them through what really they've been through? Um, we shouldn't expect somebody who's just given their life to Jesus Christ that in a cell group of eight people to start talking about the abusive situation that she was in in her childhood. That's kind of a one-on-one mentorship and, and counseling therein. And so I really feel that the one thing that we're trying to, in this book, uh, as a minister of Life Without Limbs, as an evangelist, is helping the church members know that how quickly the church doubles isn't dependent on making the gospel sweeter. It's about preaching the gospel, loving on people, being good stewards of the next steps, but really getting the loft in the doors. There are more than 10 evangelists in this country. In fact, however many believers there are, that's how many evangelists there are. Mm -hmm. Because we are to preach the gospel to everyone. And sometimes, obviously, you can't just open your mouth and preach. I understand that. We we know you just got to love on people. Love is powerful. I get it. But really, uh, in every church, I would say there are one or two people that have been called by God specifically to be the evangelist for the church, through the church, and not be a separate ministry as such. But really, the bottom line is how quickly the church doubles is dependent, not how well the worship is or how well the, the, the preacher preaches and how many lost souls are coming in. And if, the, if there are no fishermen being sent on boats and given nets and teams, and just told to sit on the shore while the pastor preaches. I feel like we're going back to the apostles, the teachers, but then the evangelists. And when you have a fivefold ministry and you put your palm up at a hand and you separate your fingers, no sand or anything can be caught. But if you actually align those fingers together, that's the harvest and the grain that can be held. And I hope that everyone understands that it's not just about going to church and doing good and doing the status quo, but really teaching people how to study their Bible on their own, helping people to, in a relevant way, reach out to those with the knowledge of what to say when the most common questions are asked about our loving God from those who don't believe in our loving God. Yeah. You have so many different um, topics in this book. I mean, you talk about foster care and adoption, and you talk about mentoring. Actually, that's probably um, one of the most needed things in America, at least, I would think, is having a mentor and being a mentor. I think that is so key, that the, the people who just became a Christian need to be mentored by somebody. The people who've been a Christian for a year or two needs to help the new believers. The people who are mature in their faith needs to then mentor those who are, if you want to call it, uh, intermediate believers. But I also feel like it's not just six categories within a church functionality from Sunday to Sunday in how you can be used in the church. But actually, more than ushering at the parking or taking up the whatever, it's about what has God told you? How has God used you? 
Is it in the hospitality? Do you want to go feed the homeless? There are some churches that are doing a fantastic job at this. But the mentorship, I feel like, is so important. And especially for the older generation. I feel like we've not only lost the gap between the new generation and and the next generation as a lack of trust in some aspects, but also we have not been a good steward of the more senior believers. Mm -hmm. What do they do? How do they get plugged in? There is something that everyone can do. And so mentoring, I really believe, is a big part of it and helping that growth. And when you have a directional, purposeful kind of relationship, you feel like you're giving back to somebody, but really it's one of the most fulfilling and refreshing and rewarding things we can do as believers is equip, encourage, and help the next generation wherever we can. We've got to build those bridges as much as we can, I believe. Your family has always been very close and instrumental in your life and your decision to become a servant of Jesus as a speaker, haven't they? Absolutely. My dad, as a, as a pastor, um, you know, as a PK, I uh, see what, you know, what happens in the background and behind the scenes. And, um, you know, I'm not a person I say, you know, the church needs to do something different. I'm, I'm saying make sure that we're sticking to the original gospel and that we equip the saints in how God has gifted them and send them out for the church through the church. And so my parents at first, when I told them I wanted to be an evangelist and go to other churches, they got really scared that I was going to be more influenced by the doctrines of some other charismatic churches that's going to influence me more than me, quote-unquote, influencing people to come closer to Jesus Christ through a testimony sharing. Although over the years, by the grace of God, they saw the fruit, they saw my heart, they saw God reach people, and they're like, we're all in. You know, my parents became all in, and very thankful that my dad, before he died of cancer in 2017, could really see not only the full circle of of a global ministry, but the birth of two sons of his limbless son, Mm. and uh, enjoy those grandkids. And uh, really, we we look back and we count ourselves blessed, and we know that heavenward is where we're going, and God will call us not one minute earlier or later. Uh, I very much miss my father, Boris Vujicic, who also wrote a book called um, Raising the Perfectly Imperfect Child that helps parents with special needs children, any other child really, and how they raised me up is is just incredible. And and, uh, I'm just thankful that that I've had the support of my parents. You have a a story in here about uh, front row of the choir. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Can you tell that real quick? Then I choked on a candy. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents always taught me a couple things. I mean, they, I, ha- I was vacuuming the floor of my house to make $2 a week as my pocket money because if I wanted something, they wouldn't buy it for me. I'd have to buy it with my own money. It taught me a lot of values that parents don't know how to emanate. It's basically, you know what? Get a job. Get your own money. Don't just complain and expect that everything is given to you. And at the same time, Nick, don't believe that you can be rude. And so they taught me to be polite. And so I had a candy slipped in my mouth uh, by my uncle there. And I, I was choking on, on this candy. It was a throat soother. I was six years old and uh, they were talking and I didn't want to interrupt the conversation. And so then they realized I'm, I'm actually gagging and, and I'm trying to keep calm. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, shaking my head, no. Are you choking? Yes. They quickly grabbed me by my foot, flipped me upside down, and whacked my back so hard. And 
got me breathing again. But yeah, my, my parents were very strict in being polite, in making, you know, the, the balance that it's not just about praying and waiting for God to do something. God's waiting on you to do something. What does the future look like for uh, Nick? I mean, you mentioned in the book you're planning on using technology more and traveling less. So what, what does that really look like? A great example is, uh, by the grace of God, I went to Ukraine for the first time three years ago, motivationally, through my uh, for-profit vehicle, Attitudes Altitude. And when you come into a country for the first time, you don't want to be saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus everywhere. Right. And so I went in there, and we, we built up relationships, and then um, we were able to come back and actually preach the gospel on live TV to 20 million people, uh, and having the Catholic, the Orthodox, the Jewish uh, and the Protestant churches all up on stage on live TV praying and on their knees for their country and asking the country to start praying for their country like never before. In April 2017, I was in front of the government of Ukraine for an hour and a half, and at the end of the hour and a half, all the national government was on their knees while I led them into a prayer asking God for the forgiveness of the sins of the country. Then they asked me in September 2017, can you please preach in the context of the 500-year Reformation, can you preach in front of the Christianic? The numbers are basically, some people say there were 400,000 people. I'm going to tell you there are 800,000 people there. 400,000 gave their life to Jesus Christ right there and then, which clocked over a millionth decision for Jesus Christ through the ministry of life without limbs. And actually, we had 26 countries watching in 20 languages and actually 27 million people in Ukraine watch the feed, and 20 million people outside of Ukraine watch the feed. 47 million people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now what happened was they changed the laws in the government that allows now children with special needs to actually go to a school. The government now comes to us and says, can you actually give us 40 videos to equip and educate the teachers and the parents and the students about now this new integration? Can you do motivational videos? What we're also basically doing is 300 videos for society motivationally, but then now 300 videos as biblically faith-based, where basically what do you do with those people who don't actually go to a church? We don't want to not tell people not go to a church. We always want to tell people go to a church. Mm. But from territory to territory, we as evangelists who've seen over a million decisions for Jesus Christ now need to help them with their next steps with God. And so all these video library resources will be translated in 30 different languages for free by the Christian Broadcast Network. And so more and more, we will continue to travel, but it will be on a big scale and it will be for the nations. And then we need to make a follow-up and equip the local church in how to disciple. Um, we are talking about countries that still today, if you're a Protestant, if you talk to somebody about Jesus in some of these countries, they think you're a cult and they won't give you time today. So how do you help them help bring the gospel into their own country? How many uh, staff members do you have uh, in your ministry? Nine. We are lean and we have a staff that fasts. We have a staff who prays. We have a staff that really has seen incredible movements of God. This has been awesome, man. I love you, and I appreciate the opportunity. I'm not someone who is now blowing his horn, come on, church, do more. No. We notice that stuff that used to work doesn't work anymore. Let's find the remedy, and let's go back to the basics. Thank you for having me, bro.